and welcome to Y2K Group Chat. This is a series about how artists navigate through their practice and a behind-the-scenes look into their lives. Y2K Group is an art agency and advisory focused on supporting emerging artists in New York and beyond. Marcela Florido is a Brazilian-born emerging artist. She lives and works in Brooklyn, New York. She received an MFA from the Yale University School of Art in painting in 2015 and a BFA from the Slade School of Fine Art, London, in 2013. Recent exhibitions include a group show called Body and Motion, Stems Gallery, Brussels, Marcela Florido, Gustavo Prado, Y2K Group, New York, Mushrooms, Y2K Group Offsite, New York, Castella de Aden, Monstera Deliciosa, with Florencia Escudero, Kristen Lorello Gallery, New York, Lacos, Anita Schwartz, Galeria de Arte, Rio de Janeiro, Brazil, Snow Day, Terry Goldberg, New York, Slip, Sarah Fox, Marcela Florido, Shabalala, Self, Stems Gallery. Marcella will have an upcoming solo exhibition at Ross and Kramer Gallery, New York, and she will be featured in a group show called Building Narratives at Monte 8, Latina, Italy, followed by a show with Carl Costial, Milan, Italy, in 2021. The following was recorded in June 2020. Enjoy. Hello. Hi. Hi. Hi, Stella. How are you? I'm good, Bernadette. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing very well. Thank you. Thank you for taking the time to call and spending oh, a little, uh, an hour with us or, or however long. <laughs> <laughs> that, that is nice. Oh, it's going good. It's going crazy. <laughs> oh, yeah. Crazy. Anything in particular or like the world? I think the world. Yeah, for I sure. Right. I mean, we are, I think we're very close, right? You guys are just a few blocks from me. Yeah. It's good to know that you're still going to the studio during this obviously crazy time. Yeah. I mean, I started recently, I think, because um, you guys been here. There's a lot of people here, but we, everybody's been really committed to try to make it super safe. So I feel, I feel, com- I mean, I'm, I bike here, so mm-hmm. I feel comfortable coming. But it's a, it's a recent thing. It's a recent development oh, <laughs> in really? quarantine life. Yeah. yeah. So how long did it take you to feel comfortable to actually go back to your studio? I came for the first time in the middle of May. Okay. So it's been a month. Oh, that's yeah. Okay. yeah. Oh, nice. And prior to that, were you working from home or did you did you set up a space in your apartment? Yeah, I was. I was. I sorry. Are we doing this or? Oh, are we doing? Sorry. Oh yeah. Sorry. Yeah, it's recording. <laughs> sorry. Yeah. We just. I just like went for it. <laughs> no, that's great. I'm like, are we chit chatting? Should I say something? <laughs> well, like the last couple of times we did this, I was so shy, but I feel so comfortable with you. So I'm just like, I'm just gonna chat. <laughs> I'm gonna say the same thing. Me too. I think the only reason why I'm doing this is it is you guys because I also feel like I haven't, you know. I haven't been seeing people, so I kind of feel that my social skills are just disappearing. Oh, <laughs> I do too, actually. 
It's so weird, right? It is really weird. It's weird not being able to like interact with friends or like um, just, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know about you, but I've definitely been overly cautious with everything. And um, I actually don't really leave my apartment. <laughs> it's kind of sad to say. That is really good. No, no, no. I think it's, I mean, there's so much uncertainty right now. In the beginning, coming to the studio felt very stressful. Like the first two days I biked here and I just any interaction felt very scary. And by the time that I got home, I was just so exhausted because it's been like over two months that I had like taken a bike and like seeing people. I just felt a bit overwhelmed. Yeah. But then, but then like, you know, gradually... I started, I've been so lucky because my studio mates, everybody just chipped in and we got a ton of hand sanitizer, paper towels, alcohol wipes. And so there's in every strategic place, like by the sink, by the door, by the fridge, there's a little station with, with, um, that you can really like sanitize your hands and stuff. So, yeah. So that was really like, okay, I can, I have some control and then, you know, keeping up and saying that the numbers were like going really down in New York. And mm-hmm. so I started getting a little bit more confident coming here. That's great. I think that's great that when as a collective um, that you guys came together and, and you know pitched in. And I really think that your your studio and, and the building that you're in is so uh, it's really great. It's really amazing. And, you, and even though. I've only been there a couple of times. Uh, you could definitely feel the sense of community. Yeah. I mean, I'm glad you said that. It's a super special um, group of people. I think uh, I think in this in this time, there's been so much questions like how relevant is art right now? And I'm, I mean, I can't say that, but I can say that artists like as a community have been fucking relevant, have been so amazing. And... Just really showing up for each other, you know, because yeah. a lot of us got like our hours cut or like our un- unemployment have not been able to meet the studio fees. And yeah. as a group, yeah, it's been super real. And as a group, people are really showing up for each other. Oh, so amazing. I, yeah, I feel so lucky. That's so great. Yeah. I just like, you know, obviously times are so hard right now for many people and especially artists and um, you know, living in New York in general is just really, <laughs> it's a, it's a job within itself. And it um, is, <laughs> it fucking is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. And, um, that's really great to hear that everyone's kind of just like supporting each other. It's good to hear that and, and know that, um, I think that it, you know, sometimes we, I question like, why am I in the city? It's so expensive. It's such a hustle all the time. But in moments like this, where like the community just really shows up for each other, and uh, I think it, it there is this idealistic aspect of being in New York, which is a city with so much history yeah. of welcoming different people, being accepting of our differences, and there's kind of an idealism, like an idealism that I I. I, it felt very palpable in this super scary past few months, you know? Yeah, definitely, definitely. So since you are going to the studio, what what have you been working on, if you don't mind me asking? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, 
in the I had a bunch of shows that were canceled like immediately. Oh, I oh, no. in one yeah, it was it was um a bit scary in the beginning, but some of these shows just got postponed. So I have a, sh a show at Carl Castell in Milan that was supposed to be this summer and we postponed it to next May. Mm -hmm. So that's, I mean, it's good that it hasn't canceled, but you, it, sh it shifted the plan. So I just opened a group show in Brussels um, mm -hmm. this month at Stem's Gallery. So cool. that was nice. Because um, Europe, Brussels open already, so I think I'm sure there. I, I'm sure there are some limitations of visitors, but it was nice to have a deadline. That's awesome. And yeah. yeah, so that that really pushed me. And now I'm gonna have a show with Ross Kramer Gallery uh, in New York in August. Amazing. So I, oh, wow. I, that's great. I know. <laughs> I'm <Soon>. like working <laughs> very soon. <laughs> Do you like having a deadline? Is that something that you prefer? I, uh, y yes and no. I mean, I think that it depends. Right now, we felt really good to have some motivation to come to the studio yeah. and uh, to just push myself a little bit more. Uh, but I think usually uh, in normal times, it has felt like I was producing work, you know, rather than creating. Mm. Like sometimes when you have so much commitments, it feels like there's very little margin for error and for like allowing the paintings to just be a fuck up and learn from the mistakes. Sometimes I feel like, oh, no, I need to have that many paintings by this time. Oh, wow. And that sometimes that, like, m makes me um, just try, be, just be more conservative, you know, like be less bold or try uh. not try new things. And that has definitely felt frustrating. Yeah. Do you prefer to just, like, have more, um, like, to be able to just, like, experiment a little bit more or yeah definitely I think that's one of the reasons why I've always kept a part-time job I never wanted to depend financially on the paintings because I wanna I just want to paint whatever I want to paint and not take in con into consideration if people will like them or will want to live with them or will want to support them like I think that the paintings need to be you know whatever they need to be and I'm sure that there's years that they just look completely crazy and inco like uncohesive and then there will be times when sometimes a body of work will feel more um people can relate to more but I don't want to I don't I don't want to depend on that so that like I will I think I will always have my part-time job I will always have like my my little income on the side so that the paintings could just be free to be as ugly as they need to be. Well, I don't think they're ugly at all. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and Thank that's you. very New York thing though, to just yeah. have like your, your job and then your part-time job or, or, um, you know, be a, a consultant and do something else. Um, yeah. So that's very, uh, New York spirit. <laughs> New York spirit. We're, we're definitely hustlers. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> definitely. Um, so 
you're making work currently. Is there anything specific that is developing because of, you know, what is going on in the world and, yeah. and, and like, you know, COVID? For and, sure. Yeah. I mean, it's funny. So the show that we had together last September, yeah. I felt like it really marked the beginning of this body of work that I've been working since, which are yeah. like these, these variations of that figure. And I've been working on that since our show, but came quarantine, I, everything changed. So I was at home, um, completely like my hours got severely cut at work. I didn't know what was going to happen. So, you know, and just mourning for everything, it felt so overwhelming. So I started making just very small drawings and the imagery that started coming out was very different than the imagery in the paintings and still still having the figure and still having to deal with like some kind of self-portrait or self-reflection but different a different set of symbols that started coming up and I don't feel that the imagery that started coming up in the drawings has yet migrated to the paintings or I I don't think it would be a matter of like translating the drawings into paintings. Mm. Um, I haven't find an organic way to, to, I mean, I don't know what these drawings will become or if they, if they are what they are, those drawings, but they were definitely unexpected and I want to include them in the show for sure. So I've made a lot of drawings and I don't know how we will integrate them with the paintings, but, um, but they will, they will be part of it somehow. And I think, yeah, I think they will, I think that they will complement the conversation. They will show a different side or a different aspect of the figures and the paintings, but they, they, they feel like a shift. Interesting. What yeah. kind of materials are you using to cre- to create those drawings? Super basic. I didn't. I like paper and uh, like graphite. And then my partner had, like, he works in an office, so he had a bunch of those like office pans. I don't know, even like just just regular. Oh, okay. Pans. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, oh sure. I don't have anything right now. I can use them. And <laughs> <laughs> like markers. <laughs> Like highlighters, shit like that, like office <laughs> material. <laughs> That's so cool because most of your, um, I'm assuming most of your materials are at your studio. Yeah. yeah. Like, and, and the, the, the paintings are so technical. I love like um, having all my oils and my little, mm. like little mediums and my range of brushes. I love the technical aspect of oil painting. And there's no way that I could have that set up in the apartment. So, and I didn't, I mean, I didn't even, I didn't even feel capable of painting a couple months ago. It just felt, yeah, I couldn't, I was not being able to focus for like 10 minutes, let alone like, like try to make a painting. Yeah. So the drawing, the drawings felt very meditative and uh, like a very, practical way to try to 
calm the mind and focus the attention without feeling too overwhelmed. Like, oh, this requires a lot of my attention and I don't have it right now. So it was, it was, it was a really useful. Yeah, it was really cathartic. That's a very good. um, And I think like, Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Sorry, <laughs> No, I was just gonna say I love the fact that, like, you know, you're you're creating these drawings, and and I most of the work that I've seen from you has been, you know, large scale paintings, and so it's really cool to hear that you know you're creating these pieces that are smaller, and yet they complement your um, existing body of work. Yeah, and scale is a total thing because since I came back from the studio to the studio, like I had all these stretched like super large scale canvases that I don't feel inclined to paint right now. And I don't know, like the, the, the large scale paintings are so bodily for me. They're so much about like the gesture of the, the size of my body and the physical aspect of like, there's so much about strength and I feel so fragile right now mm. that tackling these big canvases just feel like something that my body's not ready to do right now. Wow. Yeah. So they are very small. Like when you come to the (laughs) studio, you are going to, you're going to say that there's been definitely a shift in scale. Wow. I, the way you described it though, about like your body not being able to, to handle it. It's almost like, you know, I, I just think about the process of painting and like, it's really kind of like, you know, bringing to life something, kind of like giving birth to something. And and I just found that so interesting how you worded that. Yeah, I mean, it requires, it requires so much energy, like first just to cover that amount of surface and, and, and move the painting around the studio. But also it is, they are bigger than me. They're larger than me. And and like metaphorically, but also like just literally right now is, is too much. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, I mean, you, you can't even, you can't even argue with that. It's like, you just got to accept it. Right. Right. Like yeah. the, the body's just not ready for it. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> I'm also, I think it's so fascinating how, you know, you, obviously you're a painter now, but um, I was looking at your CV and there's something that I didn't know about you. And you actually are a, a professional trained classical um, <laughs> dancer. You, you study ballet. I find that I so interesting. So how, how did that develop from like, you know, you being like a, a I don't want to say is ballerina the technical term I don't know I don't yeah, know. okay yeah. being a ballerina <laughs> to you know discovering that you know you wanted to be an artist I mean ballet is obviously a form of artistry so but how did that develop it was more like I never intended to be a ballerina I it was in so in Brazil we don't have the support for sports like American schools have so I didn't, I didn't even have any sorts of sports in my school. So my mom wanted me and my sisters to practice some, something. And there was this ballet school that was really good where we lived. And, you know, the, the New York city ballet started sponsoring the school mid midway through mm-hmm. and they, so they selected students to do this professional course, which was like a super long, I think it was like six or seven years with 
dance history. It was a real, it was a real like professional. And I got, I got pulled into this course and, and my sisters got selected as well. So there, I was young. There wasn't a lot of decision and like, oh yeah, I want to be a ballerina. But it was, you know, it was what my sisters were doing. It just felt like, so it was only when I was like a teenager and the clearly people in the course were like really like being groomed to become ballerinas. I knew that wasn't like, I never, I never thought like that I wanted to take it seriously, but I was so far already into it. I had invested so many years that I I just decided to graduate and and get my degree. And as sad as it sounds, after my graduation, I never danced again. When you were in school to become a ballerina, um, were you hoping to eventually be a a painter, be a different type of artist? Or was it later on? Okay, cool. I mean, I never, I never had the goal of being becoming a ballerina it was mm-hmm. more it, you know it was this thing that that I was doing for I don't know my sisters were doing and it didn't feel like there was um you know a lot of in, intention from my part to be, I think I was good I got selected and yeah. it was a really good opportunity but there was never in my mind the desire to be a ballerina and always the desire to be a painter so yeah. it was, I had invested so many years in the dancing um, because of whatever family yeah. that um, I was like, okay, sure. I'm, I might as well just dedicate a couple more years and get this, this degree that is just like this achievement is more like a record of something that I did years, but I, I knew that I, it was not something I wasn't even good, you know, like the girls that I was dancing with, they were amazing. And, and it was just very clear to me and to the others that it was not my path. Yeah. But I I mean, I I don't regret it. And it definitely, it definitely this, this like body awareness and ideas of, because, you know, classical dancing is so old school with its ideas of femininity and beauty. Um, I think all these kind of uptight, conservative um, models and ideas come up in the paintings. They they definitely like show up. Amazing. Do you think yeah. is, it, is it in like the figures that you you paint, or is it in, in what ways does it do you think it shows up? You know, in the beginning, it. I think that like this whole scale thing and and being and pushing the limits of my physical body, even in terms of like, how big can I paint? How can, how much can I push this in terms of like my physical capacity? And now I think the paintings really deal with um, ideas of a quiet and contemplative beauty. And I think that that comes from, there is a classical aspect to it that, um, that a lot of people say that the paintings are conservative or they don't question why the figures are not like more outwardly sexual. And I think, 
I, th- I, I think that the quietness and the contemplative aspect of them relates to the to something that was present in the classical years of my dancing. Wow, that's so cool. <laughs> <laughs> that's so cool. Just like because obviously you know, I've, I've been to your studio before and and um and I didn't know that. So hearing that now, I'm just like wow. Like I definitely I I definitely do see that, and um, that's really cool to hear. Yeah, it's something that I, a lot of people don't know about me, and it's it's. I decided to start being a little bit more clear and open about this, like big par- parts of my life as a ballerina. Mm-hmm. Very recently, because I did, I was like, okay, I can totally see how how could it not have informed, right? How could it not be? So, but a lot of people don't know about it. It's cool that you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I looked at your CV, so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, but yeah, I think everything you said, that was just like, it, it's so interesting. Like me as a little girl, I, I definitely wanted to take the ballet classes and I never did. But, um, but, <laughs> but just seeing how like, a huge part of your your youth and I mean, you're still young but we're all we're all still young but you know your younger age and and um <laughs> how it's still in you like and and it shows in the work oh yeah. thank you yeah i i haven't danced before uh before again like mm-hmm. since it was something also that once i got this degree i was it felt like okay now i'm free to because it was so time consuming and for a long time, it was my main community. Yeah. And once I, I could put kind of like, okay, this chapter of my life is closed and I can move on. It also felt like a big freedom. And, uh, you know, being like, it's been what? Over 10 years now, wow. like probably like 12 years. And to be able to finally reconcile and feel that yeah. the... the that you, it's almost like coming full circle when the dancing is part of the painting. It's really, it's really nice. It does, it feels like, you know, that these experiences that you go through somehow they, you know, they, they, they show up in the paintings. The paintings yeah. definitely don't lie. Yeah. Yeah. So did you always, were you always like drawing or sketching or like, when did that start to you know, develop and you realize that you wanted to pursue, you know, painting or being an, uh, an artist? I think I was always drawing. Like it's definitely one of those kids that, um, always have a pencil. It's like always being creative. But then again, like schools in Rio and especially at that time, are very different than schools in America. We do not study art. There is no mm. incentive. Like I never studied art in school. And oh. my parents, they were great, but they were trying to, their priorities were like, you need to learn English and you should do a sport. So that's how dancing came into. Uh, yeah. So art, I only studied, started like studying art once I, once I left Brazil which is when I was 18. So I didn't even know what the professional life of an artist is. So 
some aspects of being a painter and, and like having a studio based practice, like all these hours that you spend alone, all yeah. some of these things um, that might come as a given for many people, they felt like all I knew was that I liked to draw, you know, I didn't know that I was signing up for this like super <laughs> <laughs> insane oh existence. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. So I feel that like if uh, when I teach or when I talk to like people who have the ambition of being an artist, like encouraging them, but also being very honest about and there are many ways of being an artist. Obviously, being a studio studio based painter is just one way of of being an artist. And people who require who like are much more invested in social practices or are artist collectives have a very different approach. But the the life of, of an artist that has a studio and a studio practice and, and the routine and ritual of spending so many hours alone is very specific and and kind of unique and, re- and requires a whole set of tools that um, you know I feel like I'm only only being able to to feel comfortable with recently. Interesting. Uh, what's your ritual? I do a lot of clean up when I come to the studio, mm-hmm. so clean my brushes, like sweep a little bit, reorganize, like feel there's like listen to some podcasts while I am just like having that kind of peripheral view, looking at the paintings, but not looking at the paintings. And like as the day starts coming, um, I think the energy at night is, is it's for me the creative energy, you know, when like I put my music on and when I feel like, okay, the paintings are mixed. The brushes are clean. I've been looking at these paintings for a few hours now, and I know what I want to do with them. So that's when, like, the later the day gets, like, that's when things start, like, shaking in the studio. That's so interesting. So you, you like, surround yourself with, with the work and just, like, passively work on other things until you – until that moment strikes or uh... – yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I have like, okay, like for instance, now today I have this very boring task. I want to glaze this little painting. I want to like, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's very technical. And this is what I will do now. Like anything that requires like real creative and decision making, that will be later. Mm-hmm. That will be like when, you know, the sun starts coming down and I can feel the vibes. Yeah. So now it's... It's all like more task-based and technical kind of stuff. So do you go like in the afternoon and then and unwind a little bit? Or is there like a specific time? Like do you go in like at four and then it strikes at, you know, six? Like how does that kind of – or is every day a little different? In quarantine days, <laughs> I – I like to spend the morning with my partner. I like to have coffee with him and we talk – like we had, we just cooked brunch for ourselves this morning. Like it's such a, such a unique thing that in New York I can have time that um, I know that once things start opening up again and like shows start coming back, um, I will have less and less time for these 
basic daily beautiful things like having coffee on the stoop small and pleasures. kind of enjoy- small pleasures <laughs> like yeah totally so i've been dedicating my mornings for these things like we we went for a nice walk this morning and we we try to have a calm morning before we we do our thing. So I usually have been arriving at the studio around 1 p.m. And I won't, you know, I won't really start painting until probably three or four. That sounds so nice and cal- like yeah. relaxing. Yeah, I mean, I studio has been like a very amazing way to keep me grounded that's so good. But you know, during during normal times in New York, it's crazy. I go to my job, and they, then I like commute an hour to come to the studio. Sometimes there's studio visits. It's definitely not so calm. <laughs> <laughs> I can Im- yeah. only imagine. Oh my gosh! Yeah, the, it has been you know strangely nice to be able to do or to be able to focus on like yourself and um at least I think so for like myself as well just being able to like not having to go to an office um yeah um but I'm very fortunate that I do get to work from home and I know a lot of people don't have that you know have that opportunity so it's really it's it's so strange but I mean there's definitely silver linings I think that you know, um, I was talking to some friends about that. Like, I feel that most of us and I, most of my friends, we have mourned and mm-hmm. suffered and we continue to do so and got scared and got let go from our jobs. Like, there's been all of this real struggle, but but being able to look at the silver linings that this um, time has, like, you know, provided like a lot of friends who are parents have been able to spend a lot of time with their kids Mm. and bonded with their kids. And I think for me, I haven't cooked my own food in years. I'm always Mm. like grabbing a little bite on the go, having like when I'm working in in the studio till super late, just like ordering food, uh, delivery and being able to to cook my own food for every meal has been like a real a real source of pleasure for me. Wow! Yeah. In these in these past couple months, so yeah, I think it's okay for us to say that you know some of these shifts have been necessary to acknowledge that at least I feel and I think that some of my friends feel that way that we've been so overloaded and living a life that is just so overly stimulated with exhibitions, opening, bills to pay, um, constantly on the move and so many important like slow um, things like just having a coffee in the morning we're being, you know, erased from our lives. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. I feel the same way. I, you know, there's those little things that kind of just like make your morning or or make your evening. And, and, um, you know, you know, Matthew and I both also live in New York, obviously. And so just, yeah, constantly like getting up at six, going to work or getting ready to go to work, go to work. 
commuting. And then commuting and then yeah. having to meet and go to like a, I don't know, to a studio visit or going to, or trying to like make some time to go to the gym or you just, it's, it's, it's exhausting. Yeah, definitely. percent. I mean, you guys are like, you work so hard. You have your, like you, the exhibitions, your spaces, you've been doing so much. Like, yeah, it's crazy. And mm. I've been trying to bring that attitude to the studio as well. And mm. to, you know, like that thing that we were talking about, the production, that sometimes I feel like I'm producing work rather than being uh. in the studio creating. I think that has been good because I just don't feel compelled to work in some of the works that I was working before. Like, I feel that those paintings, um, they are part of a body of work that is shifting. And I, there's just too much uncertainty for me to even try to predict or control what these new works are going to look like. So I might as well just not try to do that and just be in the studio and let them be like paint what I want to paint, allow the work to be strange, allow the work to be slow, allow the work to be clumsy and, and somehow it feels like I'm, I'm finally being able to have that space to allow things to be weird, you know? <laughs> it's so funny because you, you say the word weird, but I, I just, when I look at your work, I don't, I don't think weird. I think, I think very like, I don't know, just beauty and, and femininity and, and strength. And, um, I find them to be powerful and just like a celebration of the figures themselves. Um, I was curious. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> course, thank you. That's very meaningful. Oh, th oh, thank you. Thank you for sharing your work. Um, I was curious to know about the figures themselves. Are, are they, anyone in particular or are they kind of like a self-reflection or like are they other individuals in your life so it's funny because you were asking about me as a child and it's so funny all the drawings or the vast majorities of all the drawings from like childhood to teenager they were always female figures mm. and I'm like if I don't think I have to go super Freudian to, to mm. like, I grew up in a house of women. Like we are, there's so many women in my family and my dad is the only man. <laughs> so we, and we are all very tight, very strong. There's that Latin American, um, big family together attitude. So I'm sure that that has, you know, my reference were all, always women, but I think that now that I'm definitely way more self-reflective and self-critical and I try to understand and I try to be specific with what I'm trying to communicate with the figures, I think that they are, um, they are this mix, this combination of of myself but other women in my life like friends and sisters and mother and because I I rarely sketch them the paintings before I usually paint 
directly on the canvas, there is this also act of discovering the personality of each figure, the, the quality of their gaze, the quality of their posture. What What is that the painting itself kind of like naturally, um, naturally arrives at that place. And I kind of almost just, it's almost like I'm just enabling for them to be what they already want to be. So if I'm trying to force the painting to look a little bit more stern or have a little bit more attitude, but what I'm saying is that the figure is actually very soft and has a softness to it or a kindness to it, then I just feel that my job is to allow the softness to come forth mm. and, and accept what the painting wants to be. But I think, you know, I like decisions like the color of the skin or how I, the pleasure that I take and, and, and painting their skin or their hair, th- this, this kind of centrality, but also specificity is very important to me. And I think, I think it has to deal with like understanding, um, because obviously growing up in Brazil, nobody approached me as like, oh, here's this Latina or this Brazilian woman. I was just some a woman. Yeah. But here, since I moved to America, there's all, there's identity politics and labels mm-hmm. and expectations and trying to understand how I see myself or how I see these figures inhabiting a conversation that is so much about the color of the skin, so mm-hmm. much about the expectations that um, one projects on another based on their on their looks. And I think it's a very interesting exercise to to give justice to these figures and 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 be specific with about their features and about Mm. the way that they exist, you know? I definitely don't want to be careless and I don't want to be general about them. I want them to to be who they are in each painting. That's so interesting. I I love like how you're explaining that the paintings kind of dictate they dictate the individuality of these figures. And, and one can argue that, you know, well, you're in control of, of the, the brush, you know, don't like you control it, but, but really it just, I kind of think it's like very innate, um, something larger or bigger, like your, your inner, um, I guess I'm getting a little spiritual here, but like your, your inner. <laughs> <laughs> we, we like our spiritual podcast. Yeah. <laughs> we share that. <laughs> Definitely. But just, you know, just very, um, I guess just innate. Like it just, it just it develops. It happens. Yeah. I think I struggle sometimes when a lot of people ask me what the paintings are about as if I come to the studio with a very, specific idea and then I just enact my thoughts and it it really isn't like that like there has to be a lot of room for like unconscious drives and and emotions that haven't really been processed and mistakes and the technical difficulties of painting with oil paint and all of this room that it is the unknown I think that really is 
like that is what's at the forefront when I come to the studio. So I like I need to be surprised by the paintings as much as I want them to be something and to have agency. I also need to look at them and respond to them and like accept what how they are behaving and and if I'm not excited, if I'm not surprised, if I'm not challenged, then like, you know, what the fuck am I doing here? So, so it is, it has to be this discovery, right? It has to, I mean, it doesn't have to be, but I hope that it is a discovery. I hope that it is challenging and mysterious for a long time because it's what's, it's what keeps me coming back. There's like all these, this mysterious um, and unconscious emotions, parts of myself, thoughts, ideas, movements that only, that I can only allow to come to the surface in the studio and they thrive in the studio. So I think that's part of it. Do you feel like when you're in the studio, you're like the most, like you're more vulnerable or like how is that something that you think you can relate to or? It's such a private space, right? I, I've been considering sharing my studio because I just want to like save some money so I can buy some, um, like more materials and things. And I've been thinking, and I suffered. I was like, oh, no, sharing the studio, what the fuck? But I think it's both. I think that, like, it is a very private space where um, I really allow things to come to the surface. But it can also feel like a hiding spot. It can feel like a place where I protect myself from the world, where the work exist before it encounters the viewer and therefore the work is kind of only what I want and I think there's something very powerful when the viewer encounters the work right when someone else brings their own opinions to the studio so the studio is is both it's like this really personal space, but I think that stepping out of it or allowing people to be here and not making it too much of my little safe zone is also important for me. So having this person come in and and kind of bring in their own sort of ideas of what you're creating seems to me like something that's, uh, you're opening up your home for critique. Um, and I feel like, I mean, I'm not an artist, but I can imagine that that's, it's just so scary. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, when you guys come and I really yeah. don't mean to be like kissing ass, but when you guys come and visit, which you've been a couple of times now, it's always, it feels so respectful. And they're definitely the people that come here and they, I think that they are clueless about how intimate, you know, the works that are in the studio, they are like, they're so fresh. They, it's you. Mm. You didn't. I don't have the distance yet to look at them objectively, and I, I ever will. But like, especially here, it's 
it's very embryonic, like uterus. Uh, yeah. I don't know the, the word in English, but you know what I mean. Yeah, like yeah. embryonic. Yeah, embryonic. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And. But I, you know, I've shared the studio many times and I think there's also like a beauty when you're working with someone else, hopefully someone that you admire. And there is this, you, you know, this kind of like learning together and inevitably like, you know, something that your friend is doing, like suddenly start, you start mimicking in your own work and and I think that's kind of a compliment. And I miss, mm. in Lo- when I lived in London, I shared my studio with a lot of friends. And we didn't have any partition walls. It was just one big warehouse. Mm. And I, the dialogue that the paintings had with each other, like we didn't even have to say anything, but we could tell that the paintings were learning from each other. Interesting. Yeah. And I don't feel that anyone felt self-conscious, like, oh, my God, you're stealing this from me. Like, that was not the attitude. The attitude were like, I admire you so much that, like, suddenly your color palette just is here. And and there was so much support and an attitude of, like, we're, like, of community and sharing and discovering together. And... You know, I think that once you become like, quote unquote, professional artist, that becomes a little bit more complicated because people want to have their individual identities. And, and so people become a little bit more um, possessive about compositions, which I think is hilarious. <laughs> Trademarked. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. yeah. I've had people, friends saying like, oh my God, so-and-so is stealing my composition. And I'm like, oh my God, give me a break. Um. But yeah, so what, I, I still might sublet my studio to share with someone. And I think it could be a very interesting exercise, you know, to suddenly for just for a couple months, a few months to allow someone to be here in this super intimate space and see and see what 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 change you know this person can bring i i think i'm open to it and i i probably will do that that's great that's great that you're yeah. willing to share <laughs> your space you have a very spacious and uh clean space from what i remember <laughs> yeah it is yeah. it's part of you know it's part of the ritual of coming here in the mornings and just cleaning uh-huh. uh I think I learned that from a friend in London as well, like Alan. He, whenever he was thinking or he needed to make a decision in a painting and he just didn't feel ready, he would get his little broom and sweep around. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, I love that. yes. It clears your mind. Yeah, it's good. Right? I love that. Yeah. I'm a clean so, addict, so <laughs> I'm you always are? cleaning too. Not obviously, I don't have a studio, but. <laughs> I would love to say that I would, I'm like that at home, but I'm like, my studio is where (laughs) all my cleaning energy comes to. (laughs) Matthew, do you have any questions? I'm sorry, I kind of took over. Oh, no, it's okay. Yeah, no. Um, Yeah, I mean, it's interesting how you're kind of talking about, like, just kind of like, you know, when the sun goes down, like, that's kind of when the creative energy comes out. Um, I'm just like curious, have you ever made like any like, um, like night paintings? Yeah. So 
I don't, I don't think it was healthy, but at Yale, I think, um, there was this big attitude that the students would go to classes during the day. And then it was like three in the morning when the studios would be like popping every music, like loud and people drinking and, you know, (laughs) and it was a super intense atmosphere. And to be doing that every day for two years, obviously by the time we graduated, everybody was exhausted. But there was this kind of reckless attitude of like, you know, it's four in the morning, we are here, like, let's put some music, let's keep going. And uh, also the nature of having those critiques every other week meant that you had to be making work. And so most of my work during school was done at night because in the morning and during the days I would be attending classes and writing papers. Oh. Yeah. I kind of, I kind of miss a little bit of like that, but I also remember being extremely unhealthy during those years. So maybe. <laughs> <laughs> no sleep. <laughs> no sleep, no like healthy food. Mm. I'm trying, you know, I'm trying to maintain a relationship here, trying to act. <laughs> <laughs> right <That's> the <beer>. so <laughs> yeah um so when you were growing up um in uh, rio de janeiro um did you go to like museums were there like kind of brazilian artists that you knew about or yeah. were you kind of just like making like drawings here and there kind of just- i was very separate like from any visual art community there was a museum um, the modern art museum and but it wasn't it wasn't well funded it wasn't super like we rarely had contemporary art exhibitions i remember going to see monet the lilies the water lilies like there were sporadic exhibitions and my family was not so involved or interested in visual art but dance ballet was like one of my mom's biggest passions so it was culturally rich in the sense that like every week we would see like a play or a a ballet when i was growing up yeah when i was growing up the the municipal theater was directed by this lady who was phenomenal and she was able to bring like all the russian ballets the cuban ballets so we had a super rich dance culture, but that was not the same with the visual arts. And I feel that it was only recently with the government, the Lula president, when he was president, that I think um, there was a lot of investment in, in visual art. But unfortunately, now with the current president, we have a lot of censorship, a lot of exhibitions that were coming to the country. Um, got censored mm. and uh, so we're, we don't even have a ministry of culture right now in brazil mm. i know it's really scary the way things are happening there and rio is in a really bad economical place like it's really um sad and bankrupt because it's by far the most beautiful city that i've ever seen but Sao Paulo, which is not far from Rio, really became the cultural capital right now. So if you go to Sao Paulo, 
it's such an amazing city. There's so many galleries. There's so many mm. young artists. There's a discourse. People are talking about art. People are using art um, in ways that are so exciting to talk about politics. To It's just like so energetic. And in Rio, there, there, obviously, there are fantastic artists. But I think that the conversation is just not as dynamic as Sao Paulo. And so I don't, I never felt included in, in a conversation of visual art in Rio. Like it was either dance or, you know, now my, my, like the galleries that I've been working with and the artists that I'm in touch with, they are all mostly based in Sao Paulo, mm-hmm. which is yeah, it's 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 strange actually. Wow, we we haven't been to either no, uh, cities, but you must come. You must visit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely, I I always hear really beautiful things about both both cities. So yeah, I was this. Um, I took a break from New York the beginning of last, the beginning of this year. So in November, I went home. And Julia Bland, who's an amazing artist here in New York and dear friend, she came with me and we traveled through the Amazon for a few weeks. Oh, wow. And yes, and it was an amazing experience being home with like an American friend who's also an artist. And it's so funny because the Amazon was being the Amazon was such a intense experience for both of us and as soon as we were back in new york we both just started working in these very large moody dark paintings mm. and we were like oh my god that's so interesting <laughs> yeah yeah i was yeah i mean i don't i hope is this doesn't sound like a cliche question but um in your work you do use a lot of or you do paint a lot of like plants or like um or um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, like, I can't think of it right now, but like greenery or just like, um, yeah. is, is there, is that have to do anything in particular to, you know, your, I, I don't 100%. know. But, okay, yeah, cool. No, no. <laughs> it's a total, no, I mean, it's a direct um, like reference of, of this environment that I grew up with, mm. which was, you know, it's, it's, um, it's the tropical rainforest. It's this very mm. lush um, jungle. And it's so funny. I'm working on this piece, um, this writing interview with Sarah Rufino, who was the editor of Culture Magazine in Brooklyn Rail. Mm. And Sarah knows a lot about Brazilian art. She has studied, she speaks Portuguese. She's a fantastic art writer, but she has this particular interest in in Brazilian art. And we were talking a lot about the taboos of, of describing and depicting the, the Brazilian landscape, which, you know, so many people, um, I feel that I tap into a territory where many people feel comfortable accusing me of like exoticizing the, like my context. Mm. And, and I'm like, you should take a trip to Rio. You should grow up in that like landscape of like beach and and mountains and forest and 
the city is completely integrated with nature in a way that you can't describe. You just have to experience. I'm sorry. So the people that say that they've they're not Brazilian, they're not. Or think, are they? I think I'm there's. Sorry. I think there's both sides. Both? Okay. I think. I think there. You know, like historically, um, I think oil painting per se, which is also a very European um, tradition in Brazil was related to colonialism and therefore depicting the super exotic, exuberant landscape, I mean, exotic to the Europeans, that I felt that I think that, you know, the the, the turn towards gesture, uh, geometric abstraction, the, the turn towards modernism and this like embrace of, of modernist imagery that happened in Latin America and specifically Brazil, I don't think that's separated from this desire to not be exoticized. So not be always about the landscape and about um, the, the sensuality and sexuality of, of, you know, of Brazil and the hot weather and all of these um ideas that come, these stereotypical ideas that come with this set of imagery. But I think that my paintings, um, and I think that when I depict the landscape, I think they are coming from a place of really trying to reconcile this memory of, of this body growing up in a landscape that was very natural, that was very green, that was surrounded by plants, and and in a way that feels integrated with that nature. And some in some paintings, the real subject matter really are the the the, the plants and not the figure themselves. And in some of the paintings, the figures and the plants are the same. I think when we had our show at Y2K, I had those two paintings. One was a figure and she was directly gazing the viewer, but right across from it, there was this painting that there was this big plant that covered the figure. So the plant in my, the way that we installed, I thought that it was interesting because it's almost like the figure mirrored the painting, the, the plant mm -hmm. and so there was this kind of direct correlation between the figure being the plant and... That's so interesting, yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, I try to not... Obviously, I think so much about the meaning of the symbols that I use in my paintings, but I also try to um, not discourage myself from exploring them. And if, if someone is... Um, accusing me or, or reading the paintings as being like um, self-exoticism, I'm like, okay, what it, what it would mean for me to, to allow that to be part of the conversation? Because after all, I am, I am an immigrant. I've been an immigrant for many years now, for over a decade. And I am painting about a country that I no longer live in. So mm. that aspect of being distant, of being separated, and for kind of idealizing a place, right? Like, I think it's home. So there is this, this imaginary aspect. 
And I think that my friends who are now in Brazil and who are really struggling with this political reality and economic reality that's devastating, they're like, you know, this this feels very separate of the experience of being here. And I think that's totally fair. And I, I, I tell them, but I am not there. This is not the experience of a painter in Brazil. Mm -hmm. This is the experience of an immigrant, of someone who dreams about home, but it's not at home. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, these, this is all part of the conversation and I don't want to run away from that conversation. I, I, I think it needs to be part of the dialogue, you know? Wow, that's so beautiful. Mm, thanks. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. It's very poignant, and um, I think that is the reality of a lot of uh, people, even people that aren't necessarily artists, just like you know, not being able to go, not being able to, or for whatever the circumstances are, um, go home or or visit yeah. home. Um, but you bring that to your work, and that that's it's very beautiful. I think like. I think that sometimes what is not in the conversations when when we talk about immigration is that it's really rare that someone, I mean, I think it's rare that someone would just suddenly leave their home, leave their family, their friends, you know, the things that they love the most. Just, you know, it just because it's not it's not a vacation, you know, being an immigrant like we're we're always chasing after a dream or chasing after or running away from something and trying to find something new there's it's not necessarily a peaceful experience and so to hold to hold on to an idea of home that can be positive and could carry hope and could be a celebration i think it's important and and i would like to have that in my work for sure yeah i i think it definitely shows and and um hearing like the meaning behind it just made it so much more, or I mean, it was already, you know, this is, you know, strong and beautiful, as I said earlier, <laughs> but hearing that story. Um, wow. Oh, <laughs> really, wow. thanks. <laughs> um, so I kind of, I have one more question and I hope you don't mind me Go asking this. So, no, no. Um, earlier you had said something about in so when you were in Brazil, you're obviously, you know, you are Brazilian, but like you, no one ever thought of, or no one says things like, oh, um, she's a Brazilian artist, but it's always, I feel like it's always, you know, in America or, or, you know, when you're in another country, I feel like when someone uses the term like, oh, they're a Brazilian artist or, oh, they're this artist or do you, how do you feel about that? Like, how does that it's so complicated because, yeah. like, as I mentioned before, like, I studied art. I only studied art after I left Brazil. Mm -hmm. So my whole artistic kind of, like, education and approach was it started in England. Mm -hmm. And England is, is they, they're funny. They have such a specific history of painting um, that has to deal with the grotesque. Um, and I was completely in love with British painting. And so, and I lived in England for so many years and surrounded by painters and living a very studio-based life in England. So I 
I know that there's a lot of British painting in the way that I work. And, but at the same time, I am very, very interested, dedicated, devoted to Brazilian art history, to, to Latin American art history, but like to specifically in the developments in Brazil, its relationship to politics, its relationship to the dictatorship, to a quest for, you know, a search for a national identity, a national cultural identity. And these are questions that really drive the work. So the work is very, it's very mixed. There's like mm -hmm. this, this ideological desire to really advocate for Brazil and be part of the conversation there and be constant. Like I used to teach, I taught Latin American um, our history at Cornell for a couple wow. um, months. Yeah. So it was always like this, this investment in Brazilian art history is at the forefront of everything that I do. But I love, um, you know, incorporating the references of painters from around the world. Like I've been in New York for seven years now. My, I don't have any other Brazilian painters, friends here. So my friends are like, you know, mostly Americans, but also German, French. Mm -hmm. And I, so their works are, you know, they influence me. So obviously there's like traces of the American way of painting that are part of the work now. So when people like talk to me as a Brazilian artist, I feel, I feel okay because I feel like almost like this is, this is, a, a, it makes sense to me because it is about, it is about a lineage of Brazilian painting, but it is also about painting per se and the, the desire to pick up a paintbrush and, and the materiality of paint. So as long as it's not just that, you know, it's, as long as like people can l let themselves be involved with the materiality of the painting and the discourse of painting that transcends any nationality, then I'm great. Then I'm happy. It's only when they like, they are just limiting yourself. They're pigeonholing you. They only want to talk about one aspect of the work and they only want to show your work in relationship to other like Latin American artists. Mm. And it's like, wow, that feels limiting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, thank you so much, Marcel. I, I really appreciate it. And um, yeah, it was you. so lovely hearing uh, was about more about you and your history and your story. And um, it's, it was really great. Thank you, guys. It felt so nice to hear your voice. I can't wait <laughs> to have you guys in the studio again. Yeah, we, we will have a drink. Yeah, uh, yes. yes, we definitely can't wait either. Um, guys, I had such a good time. I did too. This was so nice. No, thank you yeah, so much. Great. And I'm thank sure Matthew you so can much. that I was actually very engaged. The <laughs> other ones, I was so shy. But again, Aww. Marcella, you you always like have a really warm presence and. Um, and um, I feel the same about you. <laughs> thank you so much. Yes. Thank you so Enjoy much. Enjoy your Saturday, guys. Oh, likewise. Oh, thank you. See you chat soon. Bye. bye. Okay, bye.